When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to episode 44 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue. I'm here with my co-host, Big Tuna. John, nice haircut. How are you doing? Doing good, buddy. How are you doing? I mean, I was doing good before the, uh, the Big Tuna. Mm, doing, yeah. doing slightly worse now, but still doing good nonetheless. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, just trying to enjoy the off season with like so little going on. Like trying to enjoy the boredom a little bit. But You watch anything good lately? Uh, Gators baseball has been pretty good. They just set like a billion records last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game three is tonight, so. Game three is. this podcast comes out, they'll be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) You've seen anything good? Watch Mamma Mia, the movie. Nice. For the first time? Yeah. What? John, that's sick. I don't know who the dad is. You, uh, the sequel is pretty good too, actually. Well, I watched it in recent months. That cost three dollars on Amazon, so well, <laughs> that's to be determined. All right, that's fair. It's not canon to me. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it today. John and I are going to rank our top ten receivers for the 2023 NFL season. On our last episode, we ranked top ten quarterbacks, so you can check that out on all platforms in our YouTube page. For the record. I am reigning champion. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's, we this is a, a results-based business. Yeah, okay. We had a poll to see, like, whose top 10 was better on Twitter. And the last time I checked, it was, like, 75-25 in John's favor. Does that seem right? Did you check recently? No, I'll, I'll give you 75-25. That seems... Uh, oh, you'll give that to me? You'll yeah. Give 5%. That, seems, that seems gentle. All right, well, yeah. Hopefully... I was trying not to let subjectivity kind of. No, no, I I followed the rules, and <laughs> once again, I'm going to take the rules and turn them around on you. Okay. All right. Well, for this week, we're not considering, or are we considering contracts? I wasn't really. Considering I'm just that. going ten best receivers. Yeah, ten best receivers, like for the next year, straight up. Let's do like, it. Quarterbacks we did next three years, but this is just 2023. So per John's house rules, we're going to go from number 10 to number one. You want to start us off? Yeah, number 10. I'll... Yeah, I kind of wish you were starting off now that I'm about to deliver it. But this is, you know, non-bias or anything. I'm going Calvin Ridley, man. Let's let's get spicy. Okay. I, think, I think he's going to – yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, th- I think he's going to have a great season, dude. I Literally, the only thing I think that would stop him from having a good season is if he looked like – too rusty from like years of moved the football and like he came back and was like injured and stuff like that. But he's looked great. And I mean, more Zay Jones, and Christian Kirk just had career years last year. And I would take pre 2021 Ridley over both of them. And I, 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 I think he's, I think he's going to be better than most receivers this year. That's, that's my stamp of approval. That's my hot take. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I didn't have him in my top 10, even though I did have a hot take recently that was he's going to be top three in receptions, I think, or have over 100 receptions, one of those two. I'll have to go back into the archives for that. But 
so I'm with you that I think he's going to be awesome. And like, I feel like I've seen a lot of stuff recently that's like, oh, him and Kirk are like 1A, 1B. Maybe I've been reading too many fantasy articles, but like, I think you and I both expect it to be Calvin Ridley is a surefire number one. And then it's kind of everyone else for the Jaguars. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at their roster, like, I would expect Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he threw almost 600 passes last year. I would, I would expect that to, you know, pretty much be, you know, the same this year. And then last year, Marvin Jones had 81 targets. Zay Jones had 121. Christian Kirk had 133. So just insert Calvin Ridley in for all of Marvin Jones is 81. Then take a little bit away from Kirk, a little bit away from Jones. I mean, from Zay. And I mean, that's a pretty healthy target share. Yeah, I think I'm not crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> we had talked before about how like it could like defer depending on the week, kind of like last year, like when Zane Ingram, especially, I feel like even Kirk too had like spike weeks. And so like it'll defer, but by the season end, like yeah, he's gonna be pretty insane. And I agree with you that like injury is really the only thing I see preventing him from not meeting our expectations. Can you get the hot take thing? Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm ready. Calvin Ridley will be a pro bowler. <laughs> I'll take that one for me. Okay. Yeah. Star, star. Thank you for the accountability. Why Why you got to put two stars? Then I can see it when I look back at it. Okay. Come on. I got a system. We got to stick to the system. Okay. All right. Sticking to the system. Uh, my yeah. number two player is Terry McLaurin, which I also kind of like had wished that or at least like we weren't starting 10 to one. Cause like, I kind of have an argument with him and then another player that I left out of my top 10. That was like kind of my snub. So, Let's hear it. All right. Well, I left CD lamb out of my top 10. Ooh. I had Terry McLaurin over him just cause I like CD is probably, I don't know, not to <laughs> discredit myself immediately, but like, he's definitely like in that range of like talent wise, but I think he just like benefits a little bit from scheme and like his quarterback and environment. And so I like, I think that like if we were doing, I guess like if it was an average team, like the exercise we did last week, I'd rather have Terry than CD. And I kind of just like, am also just making a point. Cause I think CD is again, like in that range and a great receiver, but probably the more most overrated receiver. That's like a pro bowler in my mind. You call him CD a slot merchant. Yeah, I think I am. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounded like. That it sounded like the polite way of saying he's he's slant boy rather than just slants. But he's a little yeah. bit of a slant merchant. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll hear it. So Terry, Terry for number ten. I mean, what separates Terry, you know, for you? And are you concerned at all that Jacoby Brissett is his team's best quarterback? <laughs> I'm not concerned. First of all, because Jacoby's okay. I guess I can't even lie. He's he's yeah. fine, but. Yeah, I just think Terry's, like, more of an all-around player. And I've like, got, like, some specialists. Like, Tyreek Hill isn't a great example. But, like, how Tyreek Hill, he's not the best all-around receiver, but he's got some, like, freaky traits. Um, but I feel like Terry is, like, he's extremely fast. And so I guess that would be his trait. But he's mostly just, like, an all-around receiver that can win at any level and win inside and outside. So I feel like he's, like, a, like the same tier as CD, but, like, the fact that he's more scheme versatile and, like, I looked in the past three years since CD entered the league in 2020. Terry only has three fewer targets and 34 fewer yards. So, like, I guess technically that's a win in uh, CD's book, but like they're pretty much neck and neck. And yeah, if it's like just one player versus another, like in a vacuum, 
I would like give a slight edge to Terry. And CD is a much better quarterback play. Yeah, like easily. And so outside of Cooper Rush, maybe there's a better way to separate it than targets and yards. But I don't know. He like the fact that he's had similar production on an objectively worse environment is kind of the point. How close is Calvin Ridley to your top ten? Was he considered? I wrote down like eight other names that I was like I was thinking about at the end of my list, and he wasn't one of them. He was he, or wasn't? Was not. Okay. Which is like, not only did you not invite him to dance, he wasn't even allowed into the auditorium. I guess he probably. Well, I kind of just forgot about him because my thing was like I was trying to do the same thing as last week, where like, like I think Trevor will end up being like the second best value, but like I just need to see slightly more. So like I need to see. True. Just like one week of him in a uniform before I like put him on like top ten list. True. You hate Jacksonville. That's fair. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. I think that like the whole thing about him like not seeing the field in two years has been like an overblown point, like as of now. But with that said, that's like kind of like what I'm using in my criteria for my list. Is that because it's been out for so long? Like, you don't make any. You don't make any bad points that I can argue against with logic. So, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's number nine. Yeah, balls in your court. Number nine, doing a little snake. I've got Jalen Waddle. Do you make your top ten? Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing the wall. Oh, is that <laughs> celebration of the league. Honestly. This is why. You, this is why you need to subscribe to YouTube. You can watch us. You know, attempt attempt a waddle. That's. They were both probably sub fives out of ten. Watch. Not dude. I. I thought Jalen Waddle was like amazing coming out of Alabama, and he's been like exactly like what, like, but that that archetype of receiver, like pure speed guy, like that like Henry Ruggs was supposed to be and John Ross was supposed to be. He's like the best hit like in, in the NFL in like a long time. Yeah, like I don't know if you just said, but John Ross, so like the list goes back like pretty yeah. far in, like just like the angle racer type of guy who's maybe not necessarily undersized, but just like has a smaller frame. Um, but yeah, he's panned out and he's pretty electric. I think he like set, he set a, the league's rookie record for receptions. And then last year he was among the top of league leaders in both like traditional and advanced statistics. So he's pretty legit. And I think he'd be like still an alpha receiver without Tyreek Hill in Miami. I can't disagree with you. And that's why he's my number nine. <laughs> I was I was really hoping so long. I know I was really hoping we could disagree. I want to disagree. I Debo was Monday number eleven. Debo is the guy I, I leave off, but I mean, I just I love Waddle. I love his fit in that scheme, and I'm you know I, I chicks dig the long ball, and you know guys <laughs> guys love the speed receiver. You know that's as Babe Ruth once said. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, see, I see no wrongs there. Yeah, so I mean, he, he just like. Yeah, there there are some aspects of his game. Like his rookie year definitely was inflated by they just threw him a million like screen passes. But I think last year he showed that he can be just as dangerous as Tyreek Hill. And like literally the only thing he has to do is probably stay healthy. I mean, I think targets are a pretty underrated stat. Like he got a hundred screen passes for a reason. So like I get your Fair point. Enough. But Fair enough. All yeah. right. I got number eight. Yeah. Your favorite receiver. Yes. Um, my favorite receiver, yeah, CD. You're just <laughs> worried about it. See, I, 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 I get it. You know, I get it. like you say he's a slot merchant, but he's a really good one. Like I, I feel like he's 
he's more than just like the like Michael Thomas was obviously good at his peak, but everybody knew he wasn't like that good. And I I, I think Lamb is probably better than like that. And he's better than I think it's right. Like I think if Lamb was in Los Angeles, he puts up the Cooper Cup numbers. No? I think he gets like pretty close. I, I think he like leads the league in like a category, but maybe not three. Like triple crown is pretty insane. Yeah. Like he's but he'll, he'll probably never be like the best receiver in the NFL, but I think for where he was drafted, like he was drafted what the teens. Yeah. That's the point I was about to make is like I feel like there was a ton of hype put onto him. And again, maybe I'm too thinking too much like with a fantasy lens. Um, and like he's like met like where he was drafted because like he's objectively a top 12 receiver and he was picked in the teens, like you said. And so I don't know, but like some people were acting like he was going to like walk out of the gates and be a top five receiver immediately. And I feel like he still isn't really like really close to that tier, even if he is a top 10 receiver. That's true. I, I, I would never call him like a true like like I think the next seven guys I have, I think I would call like all true alpha receivers. And I think everybody else is on the outside of that. And I think he's like the best of that group. But I mean, I, I, I'd agree with you, you know, to, to an extent. But then again, you know, it was him, Jerry, Judy, or Henry Ruggs, and uh, LaVisca Chenault. <laughs> I had a, a buddy go to college at Auburn. So I always ask him for, like, insight from, like, Auburn and Alabama and stuff because he pays close attention to football there. Um, and he said, like, when he was a fan at Auburn, easily the like scariest weapon that Alabama had was Jalen Waddle out of like Rugs and Judy and uh, Devontae Smith, and so that that kind of translated to the league. I I, fans, fans, sometimes you you got to find the right one. Fan, fans always like have a really good insight to their team, but uh, like w- when it comes to like knowing, okay, who's the best, you know, out of these guys, fans are a good source, you know, to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ones that have like been longtime fans and like have good, they, they know what they're looking at. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. So well, my, wait. my number eight, right? Yeah, let's go. Number yeah, eight. You go at number eight. Yeah, Debo. I got Debo because he just like I was looking up a bunch of stats before to try to, I don't know, be a little bit more objective and not just go based on like the highlights that I remember. I guess. Yeah. He's um, like I've certainly didn't watch any film for this, but sure. He just, like, popped up in a lot more, like, advanced receiver stats than I expected, like, yards per route run. Like, it's not like he's just, like, great at, like, being, like, um, I don't know, uh, a unicorn a little bit, but what's well, the – a gadget player. Like, he's not just, like, a glorified gadget player in terms of, like, oh, he can run out of the backfield and, like, oh, he has, like, an awesome, like, missed tackle um, stats. But he's also, like – really good at actually like lining up outside and like delivering over the middle of the field. And so I think he's like a better all around player than a lot of people give him credit for. But he's also like arguably the funnest player in the league to watch. I feel like. Yeah. No, I mean, nothing you said was wrong. And I will say I'm a fan of Debo Samuel strictly because he wanted for a period of time to be traded because they put him at running back too much. And for every tweet where people are like, just put receivers at running back, Steve can serve as a reminder that nobody actually wants to do that. <laughs> That's no, absolutely not. Yeah. No, I mean, Debo's De- De- awesome. Like he had a, like a, I guess a down year by his standards. I feel like that quote out there. Like he said, he had a, like a horrible year or something like that. 
I, I like I said, he was just outside like my top ten. I, I I really have nothing to be like. Oh, this is why he wasn't in. Like he's, I, I'm with you. He's like firmly in that like tier of guys who's like really really good and. He he's also with like the perfect coach. Like Kyle Shanahan is like a Frankenstein of a you know offensive scheme guy. That's definitely true. It's nice that they kind of got married together. But yeah, it's nice. Debo and C- CD are kind of like in the same tier. And then I think you and I probably have the same names in the top seven of like guys who could be like arguably the top receiver in the league. Do we? <laughs> Maybe not. Who's your number seven? Or is it my turn? We'll hear after these ads. Okay. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Who you start with number seven. Okay. That was a good transition. I completely forgot. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I right, just let me know. Should I go now? Yeah. <laughs> you just go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we we're like off for the ad. All right. My number seven is Cooper Cup, which I had a hard time like finding a spot for him. He was probably like the hardest guy for me to rank just because like, again, winning like the triple crown and leading the league in receiving um, catches yards and touchdowns is just bonkers. Steve Smith did in like 2003, I want to say. And Jerry Rice was probably the last person to do it before him. So, and like even um, this past season in 2022, he was still having like an outrageous year, both efficiency wise and volume wise. Um, And so like, He's like a slot merchant and he's a little bit older than like some That's of right. the other guys on the list. And like now the Rams are like contenders for the first overall pick and we're probably like in tank mode or like hopefully quick rebuild mode for them. But like he's an alpha, he's like a number one. So I had to, I had to like make sure I didn't leave him off the list or even put him in like the Debo tier. What team is he going to play for next year when Sean McVay retires and they've looked the team? Tampa. Tampa? Yeah. What about Godwin? Are they just going to swap? What about who? Uh, Godwin? Yeah, they're like pretty similar players, honestly. Okay, he's going to play yeah. for... Is he long speed, but they're just like awesome physical guys in the slot. He's going to be a Tennessee Titan. Ooh, that's a good one, actually. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I got <laughs> I got AJ Brown with my seven. I okay. Got, yeah, I, I mean... He's like I like like you said, I, I think all these seven guys like number ones and our alphas and AJ Brown is obviously like in the perfect offense for him because it's all like go balls and yards after the catch and stuff. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like like one on one, I'm probably trusting like the other guys on the list to win more consistently. I mean, you calling Cooper Cup a slot a slot merchant does explain why. You know, he go right into it. He's number six on my list. <laughs> like the, the the other guys, I would not call slot merchants, and it's it's sad that it's a derogatory term. But you know, I'm sure Cooper Cup. You know, is more than he he's obviously more than just that. But at, at the end of the day, I think like if there's a tear break, it's AJ Brown and Cooper Cup, and then in my opinion, the next five guys on the list. But who's uh who's your number six? Oh no, I got the same thing. I kind of respond. Reacted surprisingly to your AJ Brown ranking, but I only had him That's once. Difference: right. he's my number six, and Cooper's my number seven. And then you got the two of them flip flopped at six and seven. So, like, I think that like they could be in like a tier with like some of the next two or three guys on our list. But I definitely agree that there's a drop off like after those two names. 
And like, yeah. you do have a point with AJ Brown. Where like, I feel like he could run any route, but he's not asked to run every route. Um, so like, if we're like holding back Cooper Cup a little bit for like not running outside on the perimeter, then that's fair. I guess. <laughs> I know I made the point, but I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number five is Jamar Chase. Ooh. Why do you hate Jamar Chase? Um, because I have recency bias and haven't seen him play in a few months. Maybe that's it. Or a Fair few enough. months than the other guys. Fair like, enough. I think he, like, like Justin Jefferson is kind of, like, in contention. Or probably, like, most people would say he's the best receiver in the league. Or, like, the best receiver in the league of the future. But I feel like I wouldn't be surprised at all if, like, Jamar Chase, like, overtakes him and has, like, a better career and even better, like, next three seasons. Because he's a freak, but, like, I think it's, like, just, like, the other guys I have on the list have a little bit more production, a little bit more experience, and a little bit more credibility. So, like, you're definitely not going to be wrong for having Jamar higher than me, but that's just where I've got him for right now. Fair enough. I mean, I got I got Stephon Diggs there, honestly. Like, I just – I think Stephon Diggs is still going to be really, really good this year, but – you know, he's also the death knell season. I think he's going to be 30 this year. So I, I, I think it's, you know, honestly, it's hard for me to even have Jamar Chase outside the top three because, I mean, he just had, he's had stupid production, you know, the last couple of years. But that, I, I, I guess the big thing separating it for me is I think Chase can still get even better this year. Whereas I think we probably, we've seen the best from Diggs so far. But Diggs is also my favorite one of my favorite receivers because he's due to throw a franchise into disarray at any moment. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm completely on board with him still being one of the best receivers. Totally. All right. Is it my turn or do you have a three or four? That's right. I, I got four. four. I got four. I got Devonte. Ooh. Ooh okay. All the way down at four. I all know. At four. Why do you hate Devonte Adams? I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for the guy he pushed. No, I. <laughs> that poor cameraman. That, like I said, it's literally this is more of a Jamar Chase ranking than Devontae Adams ranking because it's literally nothing against Devontae Adams other than the fact that, I mean, he's no longer playing with Aaron Rodgers, but he's still a really good receiver. I mean, him, his first half against Tyson Campbell last year was like a crazy good performance. And <laughs> Derek Carr, in my opinion, was not good last year. So he was. He was like putting up like a 100 yard game in the first half without, you know, stellar quarterback play against a really good corner. So he's still obviously really good, but he's not my top three good. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, my number four is uh, Diggs. I just have him above Chase because, in terms of like an argument for one on one with them, I think the argument for Diggs is that he's like kind of a one man show. Like they've had like a rotating door of like, supporting cast players in Buffalo, I feel like, between Cole Beasley and John Brown the second time and Gabe Davis, who just, like, wasn't really healthy last season. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, they just drafted Don Kincaid. Um, but, like, obviously Josh Allen is, like, reason number one for how good Buffalo has been the past few years, but I, Diggs is easily number two. He's just put up, like, such insane volume stats and is, like, so clearly, like, the – like what makes that offense go and like the key to it basically. So, and like um, I heard someone talking, I think it was Steven Ruiz on the ringer pod, like 
even when he faces the Patriots, like Bill Belichick, like can't figure out a way to stop him. And like Belichick is like known for like being able to bracket receivers and like shut down opposing offenses, like best weapon. And he still hasn't figured it out against Diggs. And like, even since he was in Minnesota, like I've always been a huge advocate for him because I thought he was like underrated then. And so now I'm just trying to get a, give him his flowers before he like gets on the wrong side of 30. Anybody who hit on him coming out of Maryland should like never shut up. <laughs> Cause I remember like there were people who were, who were big fans of him, you know, coming out of college. And I personally can't remember <laughs> watching him at all or having yeah. any, any take on him. But like you said, the kind of receiver he's been, you know, since the Minnesota days, like, you know, I, Remember the arguments of like him against Steelin and me. I always lean Diggs just because I mean he seems so much cooler. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, it, so uh, what, do you buy credence to the idea that uh, obviously neither one of us follows Buffalo very much? But I guess from you know the media reports and stuff, his problem in Buffalo is like basically Ken Dorsey and his role in the offense. Here's my question to you: Is that because Gabriel Davis is awful? UCF doesn't claim him. I I I, I don't I don't claim him for UCF. His brain last year, like he'll he'll be fine. I guess he had some like gruesome drops, but like I think he can like still last in the league for a couple more years. It's not like he's gonna he's that bad. I I wanted them to take a receiver. I I don't love the Kincaid pick. Yeah, neither do I. Like they. Got two receivers last year, I think, but they were just like small slot guys who haven't really done much. Fair enough. All right, who's your number three? My number three is Tyreek Hill. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> I don't really like – he's very fast. I don't really know what to say here. Like he's just it's- been one of the best receivers for at least five years now. And the, like credit to him for being able to switch systems and go from – one of the best deep throwers in the league to one of the worst, which like I saw that like next gen stats have like a bunch of articles for like their best players at each position. So like or they did best deep throwers for quarterbacks and two was like, I think he was top five, but he was definitely on the list, which is just hilarious because like, sure he had like good stats from throwing deep, but like there was so many ducks and like he had to throw so early, like after he got the ball in order to like give the receivers just time to run under it. So it was funny to see like Tua marked as a good deep passer, but it's like Tyreek Hill just like solves it regardless. Yeah, I mean, I I don't disagree with you. I had Chase three, and then going to number two, I had Tyreek Hill. Like I I think you know them, and obviously who I'm expecting us both to you know probably have number one, or I think the three like most dangerous receivers in football. I think like Chase is just pretty much impossible to cover like on. You know, vertical routes unless you devote several guys in coverage to him. Like he he dictates entire coverages, and I, I, I will take the complete L on him. I, I thought he was good coming out of LSU. I never thought for a second that he was going to be, like, one of the best receivers in the NFL. And that, that was completely me being an idiot because he's obviously, you know, su- supremely gifted. And, like, I think T. Higgins is really good. Like, T. Higgins probably after Debo is, like, the next guy I would have put, like, in this top ten. Yeah, and he still is like obviously the better receiver than than T Higgins. So yeah, then- he's just like so different. It's like he moves different. He like just makes everything look so much easier than it is, and like moves at a different speed. And yeah, and he's still really young too. Yeah, 
Um, what do you think he is? Like twenty two? I think name? he's like twenty two. Shows you shows you the research that we do here at the Jaguar Report podcast. But my intuition <laughs> is that he's twenty two or twenty three. He turned twenty three in March. See, so if you're listening to this in February, he was twenty two. <laughs> what? All right. If you got a time travel guy, you got to hook me up because. I don't know how that that would happen, but is it whose turn is it? It's your turn. Give me your number two. I, I, I it, it's Devontae Adams, now. It's Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, I'm just gonna like spoil it a little bit and say that I've Devontae Adams at one, and so like anyone the that animal. puts Jefferson at one and Adams at two is like not wrong in my book, but the reason that for me is I just feel like the number one player of the position is kind of like a hill that you stay on for a while. And like, you can't just like get knocked off that easily. Like, I just feel like Tay is like the best receiver of the past seven or eight years since Julio. Like it goes like Calvin Johnson, Julio, Devonte Adams for like best receiver in the league rounds. And so I feel like, like having the number one rank is like something you just like don't take or give up very easily. And, like, I fully expect Justin Jefferson to take it this year if he hasn't already. But, like, this is just, like, me giving Devontae Adams his flowers, I guess. That's so. fair enough. I, I I personally think Jefferson took it last year. Like, I, I think he's already an MVP-type player in position. But Devontae Adams is ridiculously good. There's literally, like, no drop-off in his play going from Phil Rogan to Derek Carr last year. <laughs> You don't think it was Hall of Fame to Hall of Fame? <laughs> and he it if Devontae Adams like puts up outrageous numbers with Jimmy G this year, then I'll probably I I'll concede to you that he's still the king, but I don't know. I just give Justin the side back. here is because like I don't expect him to be the king like if we do these rankings again next offseason. Because I'm like I don't really have enough I had enough trust in Derek Carr and that was fine, but I don't have enough trust in Jimmy G, especially now with like the recent injury concerns that have popped up. But I do have some stats back in my argument. Since Jefferson entered the league in 2020, Adams still ranks first in targets, receptions, and touchdowns, and second in yards behind only Jefferson. But that's – yards is the only stat that Jefferson is top three in over the past three years. The most important stat. <laughs> well, then last year, uh, Jefferson was first in targets – or no, receptions and yards on his way to Offensive Player of the Year. But Adams still had more touchdowns than him him and any other wide receiver. So, like, kind of similar to, like, my Terry and CD argument. Like, their, their production is, like, pretty similar. And so then, like, I'm just keeping Adams on top until he's, like, definitely off of it. You and your numbers. <laughs> I'm just trying to – I got good arguments. I'm trying to win this poll. Okay? You, no, you, you do make good arguments. I have a question for you. Okay. If the Jaguars would have drafted Justin Jefferson in 2020, would they have still finished with the worst record in the NFL? No. no. So I don't think he, he, he would have swung a game? Yeah. Like, I think, like, if you did, like, a multiverse video of, like, Jaguars, like, where things could branch off in history – if they selected Justin Jefferson over Caleb on Chase on 2020, then that like changes the whole trajectory of the franchise. See, I, I think they still finished with the worst record. 
yeah. think they finished with the same record. But I, I'm not going to argue against it. They were pretty. They were not a real NFL team. I don't know, man. I I love Jefferson. I don't know if he swings a full game. I just I remember thinking when they were on the clock that he was going to be the pick, and there was plenty of smoke around it. And then you hear LSU, and then a bunch of ringing noises, <laughs> and sirens going off, alarms, etc. And here we are today. So we will be right back after this next ad. Just bear with us. We'll be right back. All right, guys. We gave our top ten list. We uh, we'll leave it up to the people, the listeners, to decide who's the reigning ranking champion. Mm-hmm. For now, I still have the belt around my chiseled waist. <laughs> okay, yeah. Hold on for now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, why don't you tell us what we got next? All right. Um, I'm trying to look up some Jefferson Jefferson stats. <laughs> oh God, let it go. <laughs> for my, let it go. <laughs> you would have given them a win. Uh, let it. Let uh, it. You know, our second segment for today is what could go right and what could go wrong for the Jaguars in 2023. I know what could go wrong for 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 us, and that was for me to ask that Justin Jefferson question. You are you are obsessed, my friend. Ah, uh, I've got. Let's hear it. I know because I know we won't be able to move on. Let's hear yeah, it. I was trying to find a, a war statistic for his rookie year, and I couldn't find it. So we're we're gonna move on. Uh, the first thing I have for the offensive side of the ball for what could go wrong is the offensive line doesn't hold up, um, both in terms of like setting protection and then like short distance. And so I feel like the Jags like went lengths to improve both aspects, like both in like getting um, better like short yardage running backs and then getting like a great pass protecting prospect and Anton Harrison to replace Jawan Taylor. But like last year in both games against the Chiefs, honestly, but especially in the playoff game when they lost like protection against Steve Spagnoli's uh, blitzes was pretty key. Like there was a couple like free rushers and Lawrence was under pressure for a lot of the game. Um, And then like the short distance stuff is just like something that's like almost like not super similar to fumbles, but like fumbles are like kind of just like a, luck of the draw for like where it bounces and how lucky you are to recover them. And so like short distance can kind of be like a luck factor, kind of like red zone or just in that it's like kind of goes um, up and down from year to year. But like in terms of just like flaws that the offense can have, like, and I'm just nitpicking like short, short yard situations. If the offensive line can and can't hold up is like a potential shortcoming in my eyes. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's absolutely fair. I'd, you know, I, I said on an interview on a different podcast earlier, that I think like the Jaguars short yardage stuff, especially their goal line running, isn't looking good after like the first quarter of their season. I don't think Doug Peterson will be afraid to, you know, make some kind of change, whether it's a, you know, change the formula on the offensive line, maybe let Tank Bigsby get more run in those situations. I still think it's like I they got really lucky, in my opinion, with injuries last year at the skill position. Like other than a handful of games from, you know, Zay and Kirk, like they, they, their receiver depth really did not get tested until, you know, the Kansas City game when we saw Christian Kirk get hurt late and Jamal Agnew ends up going in a spot. Agnew ends up having, you know, that game deciding fumble. It was in short because it was such a top heavy receiver room. I guess now the question is, you know, adding Calvin Ridley to the mix, how much can that help them 
kind of sustain that death because it it's hard. We saw with 2017, 2018 squads. It's hard to be super healthy two years in a row. Definitely. Yeah. Like we said it before, health is a pretty major storyline for the Jags this year. I like wrote that down originally and then didn't bring it up just because like, I feel like you could say injury as an excuse for like anything, but like you are right to point out like the depth there. So it's a fair yeah. point. Look, like I, obviously, you know, the hype, everything's moving positively for Trevor Lawrence, but have we seen a game yet where, he, okay, Trevor Lawrence, go win a game where Tim Jones is one of your starting receivers? <laughs> you know, no, 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 like I'm being serious. Oh, I was trying to think back to his rookie season if that happened. Okay, that doesn't count. We don't talk about that. We don't. <laughs> we don't talk about that year. We're not going. We're not time traveling back there. Mm, no, nah. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather never think about that year again. Hate, hated it. Hated. All right. Well, back to 2023. Uh, Let's hear it. What's a? Is there another thing you have for like what could go wrong for the offense? But you said offensive line, like. I think really the interior offensive line, like getting the left guard position settled. Like, is it going to be Tyler Shatley? Is it going to be Ben Barch? Is it going to be Walker Little when Cam Robinson comes back? Because it really doesn't seem like they're going to keep Cam Robinson's contract like <laughs> off the field. And then, you know, obviously the other two positions, center. Luke Fortner, you know, it. he looks like he has, you know, the players that you wanted to see, you know, get stronger and get bigger. He looks like he has done that. Coaches say that, you know, he's gotten stronger this offseason, but it won't be until the season starts that we really see. And then Brandon Sheriff, yeah, it seems like he's the guy everybody nationally like wants to date, like likes to ding on the offensive line. I think PFF said he gave up six sacks last year, which is the most he gave up. But I don't know. He had like a few down moments, but I still feel like run blocking wise, he really opened up a lot for them. So I still feel like he's kind of the consistent part of the line. I agree. I feel like it was just like a less consistent season than he's had in the past, but like it's fair because he's getting older and to his credit, he did finish the full season. So yeah, he's like definitely like what makes the running game go. And like, he's kind of like used as a weapon in the running game, like the run against the chargers, like the James Robinson 60 yarder when Sheriff pulled around. Um, So he's definitely a pretty key piece. 100%. The only other thing I had written down was Trevor gets in a funk, which I don't really expect to happen since he proved he can get out of it twice last year. Like once it was like a season funk, like he had the bad Broncos game in London and that was a stretch of some not great games. And then he turned it around for the second half of the season. And then it gets the chargers in a single game sample throwing four interceptions at one half and then throwing four straight touchdowns. So like if he gets in a funk, like I don't think it'll be too much of a problem for him to get out of it. But like, I feel like, all young quarterbacks, as great as they are, can get into a funk. Can are the Jaguars good enough to win with Trevor Lawrence in a funk? The majority of games, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. I, like, I think unless like the opposing defense also happens to have like a great run defense, yeah, I and mean, like they're all the Jags' offense can't get anything going. And there'll be some concern or if they're just going up against a great offense and the defense or like the Jags can't keep up, but I would say like more than 50% of teams, like they would still be, have a solid chance of winning. Fair enough. As like 200, 250 yards. Fair enough. Fair enough. But again, I don't really like expect that to happen. I'm just, I'm continuing to nitpick because. 
No, I, I, I've made a mental note that that's exactly what you expect. <laughs> no. And I'm going to hold it against you. No. Yeah, the pain I'm, on your face. I'm writing it down, and I know you're not writing it down, so we'll see if that mental note come, pops back up. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, the notepad <laughs> of the century. Yeah. <laughs> John's threatening me by holding up his phone for the that's right. YouTube watchers. That's right. Um, all right, so for what could go right on offense – Calvin Ridley. That uh, I'll be honest. I think Travis Etienne can be a lot better this year. That's that yeah. seems like the consensus when you talk to the coaches in the building. Like Doug Peterson mentioned it at the combine. He was like, basically, you know, we could have our running backs in general be better about hitting the holes we're designed to hit. You know, running with vision and stuff. And then again, you know, in OTAs, they've talked about how much better they expect Etienne to be. It almost seems like even though he had you know, the 1500 yards from scrimmage last year. They're like, it was an okay, you know, season, which is, it, it was his first NFL season, you know, and there was, I, I remember his first preseason game. It was like, okay, things are moving way too fast for this dude. It, it slowed down as the season went, he hit those big runs, but you can definitely tell that there's still some more maturation needed. And, you know, they think it's happened so far this off season. I think if it has, that can help, be the answer to, you know, can they win if Trevor Lawrence ever gets in the funk? Right. I think he's probably progressed better health or physical wise, as well as like mentally, like hopefully he'll be able to like the game will slow down for him and he'll be able to hit holes more better. But like in terms of his health, I feel like for a lot of major injuries to your leg, like it takes like two years or like the second season returning from the injury, not just the first season to like really seem like you're back to yourself. I feel like ETN's like acceleration was definitely there last year, but like he really only he broke off one fifty plus yard touchdown, I think, against the Texans in like week sixteen. And so he definitely had like plenty of other like huge uh gains, but it wasn't necessarily like the true breakaway speed that we saw at Clemson. And so I think like just all around he could get better and I agree he's in for a big year. I feel like uh like we're talking about health as a storyline. Like I feel like I heard Chad Muma and Devin Lloyd, and I feel like someone else talk at minicamp about how like their bodies just like wore down over the course of the NFL season because it's such a long season compared to college. Um, and so I feel like that might have happened a little bit with ETN. And so my point is that like Tank Bigsby could almost be like a positive to ETN's production just to like be someone to give him rest and so that ETN can have like a – uh, not like workhorse load, workhorse workload, but a big workload with like crazy efficiency. Yeah, and th- that's fair. I mean, I really don't expect Tank to eat in the ETNs carries like that, dude. I, I, I like I was on a fantasy podcast earlier, and they said some people are taking Tank like in the third round of fantasy drafts. And I'm like, bro, what, what are y'all doing? <laughs> they must have meant dynasty because that would be crazy. That's like where ETN. I is. didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> you just smile and wave, huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, all right. So like ETN could kind of have a jump, not just Trevor, yeah. and then as long as Calvin is what we expect, like. And I mean, I feel like we're both expecting Trevor Lawrence to just like improve in year three. Like, is there any reason to think that he doesn't? No. Yeah. Like I, I, I think he's going to be much better this year than he was last year, which is still 
wild because last year he had one of the best seasons in the franchise's you know history at the position. Like you already expect young players to get better after each year, but quarterbacks specifically have like a significant jump in year three more than any other year, I believe. And then it's also like year two with Peterson, and it's like the first time Lawrence will have like two consecutive seasons of one system since Clemson or maybe even high school, honestly. Uh, so like the continuity is huge, and then like going into year three is huge, and then getting an alpha receiver. Like we've seen how big of an impact it's been for like Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, uh, Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, plenty of other examples, I'm sure. So yeah, I'm definitely expecting a jump. Fair enough. Fair enough. No defense. I mean, what? I really think the best thing, like you know, starting with best case scenario, is that. They once again are like a super turnover lucky defense. Like, I don't think you can ever count on turnovers like year to year to carry over. Like, we saw 2017, how many turnovers they generated. And then the next year, the defense was still really good. They just weren't nearly as lucky. And they generated like, I think, like a third of the turnovers and takeaways. Yeah. I, I, I think that's like the best possible path for them this year is to just generate those takeaways like Rayshon Jenkins as much as he did last year. Uh, Tyson Campbell, you know, D- Darius Williams hasn't had an interception in two seasons, which is kind of wild. And it, it felt like like the Jets game alone, he could have had three last year. So maybe converting on some of those. Yeah. Uh, Andre Cisco, like Cody Graham, the safety coach, even said he was like, if Cisco caught a couple of the passes he didn't intercept last year, he would have had like a Pro Bowl like numbers and stuff. So just stuff like that, I think, is probably the best case scenario what could lift them. I would say on top of that, like just the development from second year players and young players. Cause I feel like Jaguars brass has been beating that drum the whole off season about like, especially since like people were criticizing them about like the lack of additions on defense. Yeah. Um, but like they keep talking about how much they're relying on like their young players to continue growing. And like, didn't they even like count Foyer as a second year player? Oh, yeah. Yeah. percent. <laughs> so like, I don't know how much he'll really get better since he's led the league in tackles back to back years, but like, Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, Andre Sisco. I also don't know how much better Tyson Campbell can really get, but he's another young player who could keep taking a step. So, like, they're going to need, like, true development from Trayvon Walker and um, Devin Lloyd. And then if Lloyd is awesome and if Sisco is awesome, that's kind of a cherry on top. That, to me, like, goes right into, like, the negatives, like what could happen that they don't fulfill the potential is if Trayvon and Devin, you know, don't each take a leap or even if a combination, like having one of them to take a leap, it wouldn't be great, but you could live with it. But if neither one of them does like that, like, I don't know if they could stomach that. I, 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 I get Chad Muma's insurance, but they need Devin Lloyd to be more than just a linebacker. Definitely. He's like, I feel like the most conflicting player on defense or like, I don't know. It's easy to say Trayvon Walker is the X factor, but just like I feel yeah. like Devin Lloyd has such a wide range of outcomes that could happen this coming season that could like sway the defense so much. Who's more likely to take the leap this year? I would say definitely Trayvon, but also like Trayvon almost needs to take a leap to like an above average slash great player. Whereas Devin Lloyd, I feel like he if he just makes a leap to an average slash above average player, like. <laughs> like the weakness is like you you can't be a problem that's really what i'm asking from him 
you're, you're literally just asking for him to be able to line up. Yeah. Okay. That, that brings me to my other point of like what could go wrong, which is finishing in terms of uh, – or no, sorry, that's one of my other points. But for the depth point, like having no weaknesses is what I'm trying to say. Like we've talked about depth a lot this offseason with like kind of the questions at edge rusher and cornerback. And I think we're going to like mostly forget about that during the regular season. But then like the playoffs is like what could go wrong in the playoffs is like, oh, like they're playing like elite quarterbacks and elite play callers who know how to exploit each tiny weakness. Because I feel like defense is more about like not having a weak link than it is having like just a couple monsters. Um, so kind of fixing up those wink links at edge and then linebacker with Lloyd and then cornerback for the playoffs is going to be big. I really think that like outside of those guys that we talked about not taking a leap and outside of what you said, I think more than ever they need Josh Allen to be like that like top seven pick that he yeah. was. A dude, dude. But they need him more this year, and I think they did last year, which is wild to say. Yeah, I think he's another guy who's like interesting to talk about in terms of like the jump he can make and like how much more he could really go. Because I feel like he could ascend to like the number five edge rusher in the league. He um, it's just a matter of like doing it consistently. He is a fascinating case because he's both extremely, in my opinion, criminally underrated and also not as good as he should be, which should not make any sense. But like like to me, he's like a top fifteen edge in the NFL. Like he's a good run defender. You know, he, he gets good pressure numbers. His sacks obviously aren't great, but you know, snap the snap, he's in, impactful. But you look at him, like I said, you look at the pressure numbers, you look at his traits, what he does against the run, and you ask, why isn't he getting, you know, double-digit sacks? But I also think, like, a lot of Jags fans think that he's not even, like, a top, like, 30, you know, edge rusher. When he's clearly very good. Yeah, I would say he's easily top 20, and I would agree that he's top 15. I feel like it's interesting because he and Trayvon are, like, not similar at all in terms of, like, their plan with the pass rush, where Trayvon, like, needs to develop something other than a bull rush. But, like, Allen actually has, like – a pretty wide array of moves. And so, again, it's just a matter of, like, putting it together a lot more consistently consistently, and not just showing flashes in year four and five. Who has the third most sacks on the team this year, assuming Allen and Trayvon have the first two? Roy Robertson-Harris. Okay. I think Calevon and Yassir, like, both – have potential like make noise and like rack up a handful and like be solid contributors but i feel like they're also like designated pass rushers who like could easily end the season with like one or two or zero sacks put it on the board you expect a career year from caleb on chase on <laughs> put it on the dang board <laughs> who, who do you got three Devon hamilton Ooh. Yeah, breakout year as a pass rusher. Honestly, but yeah. breakout year as a pass rusher, I'm, and then we can rank our favorite sacks of the four that he records. <laughs> All right, that's a plan. Yeah. My uh, the finishing point I was going to make was the last one. It's just like in terms of what could go wrong. Like last year, the Jags had a really good pressure rate and not a good sack rate. Um, so finishing in terms of bringing down quarterbacks, but also in terms of just bringing down ball carriers in general. Because, like, 
Um, Rayshon was like had the second most missed tackles in the lead league, and uh, Devin Lloyd wasn't far behind him. And Foyer, I think, had a decent amount too. And then I feel like uh, Cisco didn't have like a ton in terms of numbers, but I feel like he's similar to Rayshon in terms of like they play so fast, like they easily just like whiz by guys sometimes. Yeah, so cleaning up like missed tackles and then converting pressures to sacks is like a big thing that could sway the defense either like right or wrong. I don't have the exact number on hand, but when assistant coaches did their media day, you know, interviews and stuff. Yeah. Brinson Buckner said they missed over 20 sacks last year. And he implied that a good chunk of those were Trayvon Walker. So, and he was like, if they get half of those, nobody's asking me about, you know, pass rush, which fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So Trayvon Walker minus 20 sacks under Buckner expectation. I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to. I need a good expected stat for you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got any part of hot takes for us? Uh, no, I don't think so. I feel like my hot take was probably just Terry McLaurin as a top 10 receiver. It, did yeah. you have a hot take this episode? I'm not going to force you to have one. I, no, no, I, I, I didn't set one up, so I'm, I'm not going to force it since we're writing them down now. Okay. okay. I'll, say, I'll say something about Terry McLaurin. I'll say – you don't have to. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to. Let me bring it up randomly next offseason. Yeah, no, yeah, no. You, you, you can keep it, holster it, come back with one I'll, next I'll time. Two, no two pressure. But, two for the yeah. next podcast. I'll, yeah. No, no, no pressure, but yeah, definitely have a hot take next week. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Well, I'm John Chipley. Gus, you got anything to say before we head out? See you next time.